It's our September Prospects episode. We'll talk about a number of players who can make an impact this year and set you up for 2022 and beyond. Rotowire's James Anderson joins us next on Beat the Shift. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always, Ruvain Guy. How are you, Ruvain? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Mets are in free fall. Uh, it's going to be a disappointing season for us Mets fans. Uh, are, are, are you uh, enjoying this? Uh, uh, can't enjoy this. It's terrible, Ruvain. Well, listen, they're going through a tough stretch where they're playing 14 straight games against the Giants and the Dodgers. And the Braves, who are in first place, are going to be doing the same thing against the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres. So we'll see if they can go through the gauntlet like the Mets did. Or if they can raise to the top and and keep their lead, we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, that's the story. All right, September baseball coming at you in just a couple of days. And with September comes, traditionally, prospects coming up. We've got a great episode today, uh, and I thought of none other than uh, James Anderson to come on the show to talk about prospects. Uh, how are you doing, James? Uh, welcome to the show. I'm doing well, guys. I was telling you before we started recording, this is probably the, the earliest podcast I've done in, in years, but um, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited and uh, good to be on with you guys. Yeah, thanks for joining us on a Crisp Thursday morning, actually crisp. It's uh, pretty warm outside here in New York. It's uh, going to hit 90, very humid. Uh, but anyways, uh, thanks for joining the show, and uh, let's get right to it. Our strategy section today, uh, let's talk about um, team situations and prospects. Because a lot of times, whether a prospect makes an impact really has to do with the team situation. Um, you can either have situations where teams are out of it and they're just trying out players, or teams that are in the playoff race and look to make a deep push. And because of that, they're going to bring up their best and their brightest here. Um, So, you know, the question to you uh, first, James, is how do you gauge what situation the teams are in in terms of their prospects? Is there a general rule or is it really a case-by-case basis? And maybe you can talk about a couple of teams that are uh, really relying on their young guys. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really broad subject. So, I mean, there's a lot of places we could go. But, um, you know, I think I think this is going to be a weird year uh, because I think that, that a lot of the best prospects, um, or, or at least guys that are still prospect eligible, are guys who just are definitely not coming up this year. Um, so, I, you know, I'm looking at, on the one hand, I think there are teams like the Rays, uh, who are obviously very competitive. <clears throat> and you look at a prospect like Shane Boz, who is a uh, top uh, four pitching prospect for me in the game. Like he's a guy that could help them potentially into September and into the playoffs if they were to call him up. <clears throat> so they might call him up in September to just kind of see what they have in him. But even even in that situation, like he probably makes more sense for them as a multi-inning reliever in the postseason. Um, the rebuilding teams, like, obviously, that's a, a, a normal place to look for prospects getting the call in September. But this year, rosters are only expanding to 27. They're not expanding to 40. And a lot of the rebuilding teams, like the Orioles, for instance, 
<clears throat> like they have a lot of good prospects, but they are like hard and fast manipulating service time on these guys. They don't want to start their clocks before they're they're ready to, and that that might be next year, but it's definitely not going to be the end of this year. Um, I think there is one big prospect that we could see come up on a rebuilding team, and that would probably be Bobby Witt. Um, I think there's a, a decent chance we see him in the next week or so. Uh, the the context there is that the I, I do not think the Royals would manipulate his service time next year in spring training. So if you're going to start his clock then, you might as well start his clock now, and he, he certainly earned the promotion. Um, you're, you're obviously going to be looking at guys who are on 40-man rosters, uh, though, for the most part. Like, if, if a guy's on the 40-man roster, it's much more likely that we see him get the call when rosters expand in September than that a team waited this long, did not bring him up, and now they're going to add him to the 40-man roster because it's September. Like, that doesn't necessarily follow to me. So, um, I mean, we could, we could go anywhere you want with it, but, I mean, it's just it's a really complex issue. Are there any really um, position prospect um, uh, prospect positions that usually teams don't want to manipulate time? Like, let's say they want to bring up catchers to see if they get their feet wet. Is there, like, a position that we should look for more so, like either pitchers or catchers or something like that? Definitely definitely pitchers. Um, <clears throat> you know, that that's one where, it, you know, some, some teams will still manipulate uh, the service time on a pitcher or maybe – like, for instance, in the case of, like, Grayson Rodriguez and the Orioles, like, Grayson Rodriguez has been ready to pitch in the majors for a couple months. Uh, they're not bringing him up. Um, it, it's not it's not quite service time to me as much as it's just they're trying to line up all their prospects to come up around the same time um, so that they all have the, the same – um, kind of window with the team. Um, but it, for the most part, teams aren't going to manipulate uh, pitching prospect service time because you just like thinking that a pitcher is going to be healthy and productive six or seven years from now. Uh, I mean, that's just highly unlikely in, in a lot of, in a lot of cases. And um, pitchers usually have a bit more of a learning curve, at least, at least in my experience, like the, the top prospects, like hitters can often like hit the ground running or at least kind of get their, their legs under them. Like, you know, 200, 300 plate appearances into their career. A lot of times with the best pitching prospects, uh, it takes multiple years for them to start to live up to their, their hype. And so you might want to start that a little bit sooner. Um, they're only going to learn how to get better in that environment. Um, so I think pitchers, you're not going to see them uh, kept down for service time reasons as often, but, you know, it's it's a sad state of affairs. I mean, I think it's with position players, it's it's more about which team are we talking about than which position does the guy play? Because there are certain teams that are just uh, extremely shameless when it comes to me playing service time. And there are other teams that are much more um, willing to kind of do right by the player, like we saw with uh, the San Diego Padres and Fernando Tatis Jr. a, a couple of years ago when he broke camp with the team. Um, like the... The Padres are an example of an organization that's not going to play those types of games. Um, I think uh, there, there are some other teams like that, but um, for the most part, with the very best position player prospects, teams are going to ma- manipulate the service time. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, you know, ha- we had COVID last year, and we only had a 60-game season. 
How does that affect the way that prospects come up this year? Because obviously, A, there was no minor league season last year, so less time for development. Uh, and especially for pitchers, you know, th- they didn't have the opportunity to really uh, ramp up their innings. How, how do you think that all affects uh, prospects for this year in 2021? Um, you know, it, it probably won't a ton just because they're stretching the minor league season uh, like I think the AAA minor league season runs almost to the end of September. So it, you're not like getting a, the benefit of, well, this guy doesn't have any games to pitch in. So let's bring him up and, and keep working on those innings. Um, I think you're going to see, like, I think this is going to be the best Arizona fall league crop of prospects that maybe we've ever seen um, because teams are going to use that as a, as an avenue to get these guys more reps to make up for the lost time. But, um, you know, especially with it only being 27 man rosters and not 40 man rosters. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's going to make a, a huge impact. It's a very big difference in, in that number. And, uh, you know, maybe it's different for prospects, but I think for the major league game, I prefer it to, to the expanded rosters where you can have any pitching change in any any time you want and any pinch runner any time you want. To me, it's a it's a better game when they have the regular rosters. But obviously, for as for prospects, you'll you'll see I would say less than them uh, than a regular season uh, or a season in the past. You, you agree on that? Yeah, no, I I think uh, and and it's kind of. Um... A little, a little bit of this is sort of just random that a lot of the guys uh, who might have been up later in the season have already debuted. A lot of them, you know, guys like Wander Franco, like there's a ton of prospects that have debuted this year already. And then there's this next wave of guys who are at like high A, double A, like my top, um, my top like 20 or so. It's all these hitters who are mostly at, at high A, double A, a few at AAA, but um, this we haven't we're not ready for this next big wave of impact guys. That that last wave kind of debuted this year, and they're already up. You're all familiar with them. There's another wave coming, but these guys aren't quite ready for for prime time. So you don't think there's going to be another Randy Rosarina splash on the scene this year? Is that even possible again this year? Well, uh, like I said, I mean, I think Bobby Witt is is the guy to look for. Um, it, you know, if I if I were to throw out another one, uh, maybe Josh Lowe with the uh, Josh Lowe with the with the Rays. But again, it, I mean, it's the Rays, and they just they're gonna platoon. You know, at best, he'd play like four or five days a week. I think early on. So uh, Bobby Witt is the guy to me. Like I think he's he's my number two prospect. He's in a tier of of two with just him and Julio Rodriguez at the very top. Like he's he's an elite prospect. He's a he's a number one caliber prospect. He's uh, perfect for fantasy, you know, big time power, big time speed. Um, you know, he's going to strike out a decent amount, but, um, I, like he's a guy that could swing some leagues. Like if, if he just catches lightning in a bottle over the last month and does get the call, um, that could be extremely impactful. Uh, Josh Lowe, Josh Lowe has some power and some speed as well, which makes him exciting. But again, I don't know if the plate appearances will be there for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, after, after those guys, I just don't think there's anyone who is likely to come up and also has the talent to really make that type of impact. Right. Um, who are the most significant prospects that would come up in 2022 in your mind? 
it's going to be a fun year. I think we're going to see a ton of a ton of impact guys come up. Um, you know, I think we'll we'll see Julio Rodriguez at some point. If we if we haven't seen Bobby Witt this year, we'll see him very early in the season. I think we'll see Brendan Davis with the Cubs at some point. You're probably going to see Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson with the Tigers get up here. Um, you know, I would I would think a lot of these guys I think are are sort of trending towards maybe like a, an early June promotion uh, for Super Two manipulation. Uh, Adley Rutschman, like the 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 Orioles have really been dragging their feet on Adley Rutschman. Like he probably should have been up a couple months ago this year, but they've they've really been. Uh, manipulating his service time. So I think we, we'll see him fairly early next year. Um, you know, one one kind of sleeper who, who a lot of people uh, haven't necessarily been talking about, but who I'm pretty high on is Pedro Leon with the Houston Astros. Uh, he's got big time power, big time speed. He profiles as their shortstop of the future once uh, Carlos Correa presumably uh, leaves in free agency. And I think he could be up fairly soon. We're going to see a lot of these guys in the Arizona Fall League. And so that'll be kind of, you know, that's often referred to as like the finishing school for prospects. And the ones who really impress there and then maybe head to AAA for the start of the season, those are the ones to watch for an early impact. But, I mean, I'm looking like on my top 400 prospect rankings on Rotowire, you can you can filter by ETA and I've got it filtered for 2022. I mean, there are a ton of guys uh, that are going to be up next year um, who are very high in my rankings. So uh, it should be another fun year in that regard. Obviously that they're not all going to pan out and and you're going to have to wait a couple months on, on a lot of them. But um, you know, most of the guys in my top uh, like seven or eight are going to debut next year. Yep. And I plan to uh, be at the uh, Arizona fall league this year. Um, with uh, Baseball HQ's First Pitch Arizona. If you haven't uh, been to that, uh, it's a great time. I, I've, I've been to the Florida one, but I'm excited to come to the uh, Arizona one to see uh, the guys in person and uh, you know, to take a look at uh, Baseball HQ's uh, website uh, for more information on that. Uh, before we go any further and before drilling down into some of these prospects, it's time for the Injury Guru's Trivia of the Week. Well, we're going to be talking about the top prospects now and what we expect of them in the in the future. So I was doing a deep dive in some of the prospects here, and I was looking at the top 10 according to MLB.com. Now, James, this is, this is specifically for you. According to the top 10 prospects on MLB.com, who do you think are the most three-owned prospects currently according to CBS? <laughs> Uh, am I allowed to pull up their rankings? I don't know. Who yes, uh, the, the rankings include Rutschman, Julio Rodriguez, Bobby Witt, Spencer Torkelson, Marco Luciano, C.J. Abrams, Riley Green, Grayson Rodriguez, Marcelo Mayer, and Francisco Alvarez. Of those top ten, of those top ten, according to MLB.com, who do you think are the most three owned players currently on CBS? It's got to be Witt. All right, so so definitely Witt, right? Bobby Witt's number one. Um, uh, Julio Rodriguez. He is number three. All right. Um, I think it's, I'm going to go Adley. You are hit it. You hit it correctly. Right. Number he's number two. And those are the top three guys who are currently owned who players who fantasy players have actually 
draft some of them drafted this year and they're just continuing to hold them um bobby witt is actually 53 percent owned in cbs right now which is amazingly high for someone who's been in the minors for the entire season now my question to you is this he's really hitting in triple a right now he is hitting in double a he's hitting in triple a where does he fit in to the royals future i mean they still have a um mondesi who can play short they have Whit merrifield who can play second i know bobby witt did play some third already in triple a but where do you think he fits in I mean, come on, does he play the outfield? Well, they, they haven't discussed that yet, I don't think, but... Can, can Mondesi stay healthy? Um, well, that's another question. Boy. You know, I, I think it does... You, you can kind of read between the lines, like, some of the comments from Dayton Moore, um, where they basically are saying, like, we're not sure if we can count on Mondesi, you know, to be around, like, because he's just been... He's missed so much time. Um. So, you know, I think if Mondesi's healthy, he's a superior defensive shortstop to Bobby Witt, and he will play shortstop. Uh, but Bobby Witt is, he really has kind of prototypical like size, power, arm for third base, and they do not have anyone standing in his way at third base. So I think if everything broke perfectly for Kansas City, you'd be looking at Witt and Mondesi on the left side of the infield, um, you know, maybe move Nicky Lopez into kind of a utility infielder role and play some second base with Whit Merrifield in the outfield. But, um, you know, Bobby Witt as a third baseman, like that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, he can definitely play short, but if Montesi's healthy, I would expect Witt to play third. Let's talk about Julio Rodriguez, who uh, we just mentioned here. What What is his ETA, in your opinion? Uh, I think he'll probably be up in early June of next year. Um, he was, it was one of the more confusing assignments I've, I've really ever seen for a top prospect when they sent him to high A this year, uh, because he was excellent at high A in 2019. And so to send him back to high A after all that, you know, after the pandemic, he was at the alt site that whole time. Like, um, you know, he, he's really impressed and he went to the Arizona Fall League after 2019 really impressed there so they they really went out of their way to manipulate his service time with the assignments they gave him um you know high a that now he's at double a uh he's doing very well there um he's going to go back to the Arizona Fall League this year and he's going to probably be the best player in the Arizona Fall League and then I think he'll go to triple a and it'll it'll just do they want to get the extra year or do they want to get the extra year and only have to do three years of, of super two with him? Um, because, you know, he could be up anywhere from late April to, to early June, but I would, I would guess early June. Um, but I mean, it, that makes him extremely tough to value in 2022 drafts because you have to be aware going in, that you might have to stash him for, for multiple months. And so that's that's a tough pill to swallow. Now, if, if you were in a keeper league or if you were in a, a long-term type league, would you rather have Kalenic or would you rather have Rodriguez? I'd rather have Rodriguez. I, I have had Rodriguez ahead of Kalenic um, or Kalenic for, you know, 90 95% of the time those guys were prospect eligible and had Rodriguez ahead. I've moved Kelnick ahead uh, like shortly before he debuted just because it was very clear that we were going to see him 
um, maybe a full calendar year before Rodriguez. And so that, that ETA, I, I, I'm kicking myself for ever doing that because I always liked Rodriguez's talent more and I gave Kelnick the bump for, for the ETA. But um, Rodriguez is just, he's more of like a superstar, more of a generational talent to me than, than Kelnick. I mean, I think Kelnick's going to be uh, like a top 50 uh, pick in fantasy for, you know, five, six, seven years during his prime. Um, but Rodriguez is, is really just a, a special talent. I'm not familiar with uh, Kelnick as a Met fan here. I, I don't know who he is. <laughs> uh, uh, Adley Rutschman, um, questions about him. One is ETA for him. Um, but two, you know, uh, being a catcher, catchers have not had the best success at coming up as, as prospects. And Rutschman comes with this, oh, my God, can't miss him, top ten everywhere. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on catchers in general, is Adley Rutschman above that catchers are high failure rate, do you, in your opinion? And, uh, again, the ETA question. Yeah, you know, with, with him, I think that we see him in April. Um, he, you know, I, I definitely downgrade catchers uh, almost across the board for fantasy for the, the reasons you alluded to. Um, it's the most challenging position to learn, especially to learn at the big league level. You know, you see a lot of these guys, they're putting up monster numbers in the minors offensively, and then they get up to the big leagues and they, they just have to work so hard on their defense that their offense takes a hit. I mean, obviously the grind of the position, like you're more likely to miss time due to injury, you're more likely to wear down physically. Uh, but Adley Rutschman's, uh, far and away the best catching prospect I've ever ranked. I mean, I think you'd have to go back to like, and I mean, one of these guys is like Matt Wieters comes to mind, but I mean, he didn't actually end up living up to his prospect hype. So maybe that's a cautionary tale, but um, you know, Rutschman, you look at the way he controls the strike zone. Um, it's, it's really, really impressive. So I'm not sure exactly how he would fail. Um, you know, any prospect can get off to a slow start to their big league career. You know, so I'm not I'm not saying he's just going to be amazing from day one, but I'd be very very surprised if we look back in like two or three years and we're like, how did Adley Rutschman not live up to expectations? Um, you know, he's just he's a really special hitter. Uh, I mean, nobody works harder than than him. He's got just this excellent combination of monster power to all fields with the strong hit tool with the high OBP. Uh, there's just, there's not really much to nitpick with him. Now, Rutschman is 24 years old. Another catcher who's a top prospect is Kiebert Rees. He's 23 and he was in that trade, um, the Trey Turner trade that sent him to Washington. Do you think he's going to start with the Nationals next year? Because he's also, he is raking right now in AAA. Yeah, you know, I'm, I can't, I'm not sure whether they're playing service time games with him or whether they just want to kind of spend some time with him in their, at the top of their farm system, just kind of working on stuff before bringing him to the big league level where he's not going to have as much time to kind of work on learning maybe their, their philosophy and, and that type of thing. Um, he's absolutely their catcher of the future. I'm very excited about him long term. Um, he, he was always this guy that I sort of comped to like Jonathan Lucroy, where it was just going to be a 
lot of contact, a lot of high batting averages, but maybe not a ton of power. But he uh, redid his swing, um, really kind of uh, maximized his his launch angle with the Dodgers uh, over the past couple of years. And now he's getting the big time power. So, I mean, he, he's very exciting. Uh, the age that you alluded to, that's that's key, right? Like for, for a guy like this to only be 23, and he's been on the radar um, for a while now. I mean, he debuted uh, last year with the Dodgers. So very impressive for a catcher to just turn 23 and already be uh, pretty clearly big league ready. Um, I would expect him to probably get to compete for a job um, to start next season. And I, I got to imagine he would win that. So, yeah, I, I think he's probably their opening day catcher next year. Want to talk a little bit about some prospects who have already hit, but still are prospects. Uh, let's talk about uh, Joe Adele now up uh, for the Angels. He's up and playing every day. Uh, got a homer and a stolen base. Uh, thoughts on him down the stretch for this year and for the future? I've really, I've really kind of soured on Adele. Um, I was never the biggest Adele guy. Uh, like I, you know, I, I recognize the the risk there with the hit tool, um, but you know, I mean, the fact that he went to AAA this year and still struck out almost thirty percent of the time, I mean that that was just a really big red flag for me because I mean, you know, he he's spent time at AAA in twenty nineteen, and he spent time in the majors and. You know, I know he's he's still only 22, but you know you shouldn't be striking out that much at AAA. Um, the pitching there just it's not good enough um, for that to to be uh, where it should be. So I I worry about the batting average with him. I also think that the you know everyone knows how good of an athlete he is and how fast he is. Like his his run times are going to grade out as plus. But he's also never been a guy who attempts stolen bases at a high clip. Like he just doesn't run as much as you would think for a guy who's as fast as he is. So I just, I think he's always going to leave us wanting a little bit more. Um, you know, maybe, maybe he kind of figures out a way to, to have success with kind of like a Javi Baez type of approach. Cause I mean, he just, I, I just don't think the K and the walk rates are ever going to be kind of where we want them to be. So I think he's just going to have to find a way to, to maximize um, that approach and, and find a way to get to impact power despite that approach, find a way to, to chip in on the bases more than he has uh, to make up for the fact that he's not on base that often. But, um, like, he's definitely not a guy – like, I, I usually like going after um, prospects that I was really high on who maybe – didn't live up to expectations in their first um, trial in the big leagues, but he's, he's not going to be one of those guys for me. Interesting. Um, Jaron Duran, he's now down to 37% owned on CBS. A lot of people dropped him over the past two weeks. Triple flash so far, 221, 236, 372. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on Duran for this year and for next year as well? Yeah, I was I was telling people to sell high on him uh, earlier this year when he was at AAA, and I don't think anyone listened to me because I was always so low on Duran as a prospect that like if you had Duran, you probably weren't listening to me in the first place. Um, but I just I'm not a fan. Like I, I think 
you know, as you alluded to, like the, the approach is really pretty scary and he never made it inside my top 50 as a prospect. And even when he was in the top 100, he was pretty easily the oldest hitter in my top 100. And, you know, that's just not a good sign. I mean, he's going to turn 25 here in about a week. And he's got like he's left people with this really bad taste in their mouths and like he'll be entering his age 25 season next year. The Red Sox are going to be very platoon happy, I think, in in coming years. And they're going to have a lot of people they're trying out um, for spots in the outfield. So I don't think playing time is assured with him. I don't think even even if he is playing, he's probably not going to play against uh, left handed pitchers. And so I just I'm not really interested at all. in the short term or the long term. Do you see him being called up toward the end of the season? Because I mean, the Red Sox aren't a pennant race. Do they have the patience to play him or not really? Uh, I could see him being up and down maybe. Um, you know, it's it's just kind of like, what what role would he be serving for them? Because, it, you know, I, he's not, he's very fast, but he's not this like gold glove defensive outfielder. And, you know, maybe you could use him a bit as a pinch runner and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I think we will probably see him again. I just don't think it'll be in, in any kind of a meaningful role. All right. Uh, one more. Uh, Alex Kirilov. Now he's out for the season with a wrist injury. Um, but uh, thoughts as possible centerpiece in the Twins lineup? Yeah, Kirilov is a guy that I actually, you know, unlike Adele and Duran, I actually am still pretty high on Kirilov long term. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy that I think will be out of sight, out of mind for a lot of people in, uh, redraft leagues next year. Um, just because, you know, he, he had his moments, um, for sure this year in his his big league debut where, where he looked really good, but it's not like he set the world on fire and, um, he, he's obviously missed a ton of time now. So, uh, I still love the bat. I think he could be a guy with plus power and a plus hit tool. And, um, you know, he's he's going to be uh, turning 24 here. I, I think he could win a spot on their opening day roster next year and give, give be given a chance to play every day as they kind of enter a, a bit of a mini rebuild. Um, so, I, And I think the price in drafts next year is going to be, you know, like is he going to be going outside the top, like, 200? Uh he might be. And if he's going outside the top 200, I'm going to be very interested. You think Adley Rutschman is going to be overdrafted next year? You know, especially if you think that he's going to be coming up in, uh, in April, uh, you know, being the catcher, you know, and catcher is not too thick a position, right? There, there's, there isn't that much down there. You think he'll be overdrafted? Yeah, I, I definitely think he'll be overdrafted next year. Um, I mean, it's just, Especially like in in the NFBC two two catcher leagues we play in, he's definitely going to be overdrafted. And there's a chance. I mean, he he's talented enough and he's old enough that maybe he just hits the ground running and lives up to expectations right away. He's definitely like it's worth considering with him. Like he should have debuted a couple months ago. Like I said, so it's not like this is a guy who they're really like pushing him and and maybe he won't be ready. Like he was ready a couple months ago. So there's a chance he really hits the ground running, but I think you're going to have to pay um, really a lot uh, to get him and and take that chance. And to me, like, I don't, I don't love paying up for catchers in the first place. And so paying up for 
a guy who's not proven at the big league level it just doesn't seem really appealing to me. Well, I don't like paying up for anybody. I mean, the uh, again, the secret to value, remember, return on investment. you, you got to get a good return on investment in every spot. And there's two ways to get a return on investment. One is a huge return, and the other is a small investment. So anytime you have to pay up, it has to be uh, a lock on getting that value. And catchers, you just never know. And he, he could be. There's a percentage chance he's the number one catcher next year, but who the hell knows. Um, all right, Ruben, any other prospects to, that you want to ask uh, James about before we wrap up this prospect section? Yeah, there's one other. Well, there are two, t- really, but one I want to know about is Max Mayer. He's been pitching lights out right now in AA. He's got a 6-1 and one record, 1.97 ERA, a 1.17 whip. His K per nine is nine six right now in AAA, and he's got a uh, in AA. I'm sorry, and he's got a fifty one percent ground ball rate. When can we expect to see him? Uh, that's a good question because uh, the Marlins. I don't even know if it's sneaky anymore, but they they kind of project to have the most starting pitching depth of any team in the majors over the next like three to four years, um, because obviously we know how how good the big league rotation looks when they're all healthy and pitching, but they've also got Meyer. Like you said, they've got Sixto Sanchez coming back. They've got Edward Cabrera, who looked excellent yesterday. They've got Jake Eater, who's at AA, who's a really good pitching prospect as well. So they've just got all this talent on the way. They don't even need Jesus Lizardo to, to pan out at all, and they've just got an embarrassment of riches. So um, there's going to have to be a spot available for Meyer to get that chance. And obviously we, we aren't going to bank on these guys staying healthy and staying productive. So I think the spot will open up at some point next summer, but you know, I, I, I think he's more of a watch list guy for me in 2022. Like I, I don't think you, you go out and, and you stash a pitching prospect who might not be up for a couple months, but I mean, I love Meyer. I think he's a, a no doubt top three pitching prospect. Um, his slider is absolutely ridiculous, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm really excited to see how he does in the majors. And there's one other player I want to mention. This guy Nolan, he plays third base for the Cardinals. I'm not talking about Nolan Arenado. I'm talking about Nolan Gorman. He's playing. He's a natural third baseman. He's playing second base right now in the minors, and he's he's really hitting very well. Where do you see him in the Cardinals' future? Because I think they're trying to put him at second because second base right now is open, but they'd have to move some pieces around. What do you think about him? Yeah, you know, I thought that um, if the Cardinals had been a bit more in the hunt uh, and Gorman had played a bit better at AAA, I think we could have seen him this year. Uh, I mean, he like like you said, he's doing fine at AAA. Um, I don't think he's necessarily kicking the door down, but um, and I, I don't think the Cardinals are, are quite competitive enough. Um, you know, may, maybe we could see him in September. I guess I wouldn't. I wouldn't completely rule that out. And the Cardinals are one of those teams that that uh, will like. I, I think they're kind of maybe in the middle to maybe a bit more player friendly. Like I don't think they're just going to go out of their way to manipulate a guy's service time. Um, but I do think he's their their second baseman of the future. Uh, he's been fine there. You know, as you said, third base is his more natural position, but. Uh, that's that's very clearly locked up, and I think they can move uh, guys like Tommy Edmond around. And um, so I, I think Gorman spends the bulk of next year in the majors. Um, he he probably goes to the Arizona Fall League as well, and you know he could win a job out of out of spring training next year. I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily rule that out, but uh, we'll we'll definitely get to see how the bat plays early next season. 
All right. Let's move on to our waiver wire section today. That's where we talk about a few potential waiver wire pickups you might want to get on your team this week. James, we'll start with you. Do you have a player or so that uh, you think that people should be looking at? Man, this is uh, this is so tough. Um, you know, I I see, you know, I see Connor Joe out there in in uh, my TGFBI league. Uh, I see him out there in an online championship league that I'm in, uh, which is a 12 teamer, and the Rockies have one series at home next week, so. Uh, Connor Joe stands out. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's one of those things where it's very league dependent. Um, so I don't, I don't have anything that's like amazing. That's, that's earth shattering for you on the header side. Yeah. And, and, uh, Connor Joe's a good pick, although, uh, I've got a lot of, uh, Ramiel Tapia shares. So I'm sort of, oh no. Uh, and I don't have any Connor Joe shares. I probably should have jumped in uh, quicker. I, we actually mentioned Connor Joe in the show uh, about a month ago, and uh, yeah, he was definitely the right guy, and still is if he's available in your league. Uh, Ruvain, how about you? Any other picks for a waiver wire this week? I have two, and one of them actually James mentioned. That's Edward Cabrera. He made his first start last night. He has a 14.7 K per nine rate in AAA this year. He's a possible two-start next week, which means he gets to play the Mets and the Phillies. He's only 32% owned, and he's a guy that's available in most leagues, so you can get him, and you can probably get a lot of strikeouts, especially if he plays the Mets, unfortunately. Another guy I want to mention is a guy that people really forgot about, um, Dan Vogelbach. He's a power-hitting guy for the Brewers right now. He's on a rehab assignment. He's only 3% owned in CBS, and he can get on a hot streak, and he can carry your team with power for a week or two. So he's a guy that he's available in a lot, in a ton of leagues. People are just forgetting about him. It's a matter of playing time. But if he's available, he's a guy you can take a, a dollar waiver wire on him, and you'll get him, and you'll see if you can roll with him. A couple guys for me to mention here. Dalton Varsho, he's 50% owned. But if you are in a uh, one-catcher league, he probably is available. Um, batting 227 with nine homers, but uh, he was batting about 100 uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Since August 11th, bat triple slash of 343, 425, 829 with four homers, a stolen base, nine RBIs. Dalton Varsho, he plays both catcher and outfield pretty regularly. And uh, especially if you can bring him over to next year, he might be, cat. I think he will be, catcher eligible, uh, depending upon your league format and rules, obviously. Um, but catcher and outfield eligibility, that's a definitely a good thing to have. You know, he was very highly regarded going into this year. I, I, had, I drafted him in quite a few leagues. Didn't exactly pan out, but he's starting to hit. So take a look at Varsho. How about Aledmus Diaz? Only 20% owned. He's on a six-game hitting streak. On the season, he's batting 303 with seven homers and 38 RBIs and only 221 at-bats. Per game, that is wonderful. Uh, in a good lineup, he's eligible at second base, third base, outfield. That's a great utility to get, uh, guy to have on your team in 15-team leagues, even in 12-team team, team leagues as a bench guy uh, if you have a short I.L., uh, so take a look at Aledmus Diaz, and uh, I'll mention a pitcher, not really, I'm not going to mention him in the pitcher preview because I don't love his matchups, but got to talk about him. Antonio Senzatella, 13% owned on CBS, 442 ERA on the year, 82 strikeouts and 118 innings, but since June 18th, his ERA is 378, and that's with a 277 FIP. 
a BABIP of 342. So he's actually been rather unlucky with the hits, yet he's only produced a 277 FIP. Here's the thing that really intrigues me the most about him. Out of his last eight starts, six of them were quality starts. He goes deep into games, and the the name of the game in fantasy baseball for pitchers is go deep into the games. The longer you go into the game, the better the chance you have to win, especially guy in Colorado. There are a lot of runs being scored. That means that there's a lot of chances for the Rockies to be out in front. Uh, so Senzatella, don't love his matchup this week, but uh, he's been really interesting and definitely under-owned. Uh, I have him in, in a bunch of leagues, under-owned, so take a look at him. Um, and anyone else to mention? Anybody else? I don't think so. I, I think it's it's I think it's pretty bare right now until we get into September when we start seeing other players drop and we can make use of other teams' players because people will be coming back from injury. That's what I think. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, I like the I like the Edward Cabrera call a lot. I I I was not sure if we were supposed to save him for the pitching thing, but yeah, I mean, he's going to be like I think he's going to go for over ten percent of a lot of Fab budgets this this weekend. Yep, and uh, on to the pitcher preview. Uh, we we were talk about some pitchers with uh, either a good one start matchup, good two start matchup, or uh, maybe they're a future two-star pitcher, and they're free this week. And if you wait until next week, they won't be free because everybody will look at them. Two starts. Got to pay for him, but you can get them right now for very free or cheap. Uh, all right, let's start with you, James. Who uh, is a pitcher that you would like to pick up this week? All right, so um, these are going to be kind of, you know, for 15-team for leagues and, and deeper um wouldn't necessarily run these guys out in in a 12 teamer but uh Brady Singer has Cleveland um he's been pitching a bit better of late and he has Cleveland this week and then he does line up for a two start the following week uh now it's, it's at Baltimore and then at Minnesota next week for for Singer so you know it's not not ideal to start him in Baltimore, but um, I think in in fifteen teamers you could you could do worse. And then uh, the Rangers, it looks like Glenn Otto is going to debut for them uh, tomorrow, which would line him up. Um, assuming that he that he sticks around, it would line him up uh, to pitch at home against the Rockies next Wednesday. So. Glenn Otto, to me, you know, he was in that uh, Joey Gallo trade. Um, he's more of like a number four, number five starter. Like, I'm not that high on him as a prospect at all. But I think him at home against the Rockies, I, I'm okay with that one. All right, moving in. Um, well, I'm going to mention a guy that I think, Ari, you mentioned a couple weeks ago, and that's Taylor Widner from Arizona. He's one start this week for San Diego, but ignore his ERA that you, have, that you see right there. It says 4-3-4. It's gone down from five in his last three starts, so he's pitched very well. He's got 17 strikeouts in the last 15 innings, um, and he's only 10% owned, and he's a possible two-star pitcher the following week. So this is a time that if you want to get him, you can get him real cheap, and you don't have to pay for that two-star value the following week. Yep, and uh, I did mention him a couple weeks ago, but yeah, uh, pick up the two-star guy the following week. I'm going to mention a couple of pitchers of varying levels of uh, league depth. Uh, start with Miles Michaelis, 30% owned 
um, on CBS. He's playing at Cincinnati. Then he's two-starred against the Dodgers of Cincinnati. Not the most fantastic uh, starts, but, you know, two, again, it depends on your situation. Two-star pitchers are two-star pitchers. He's still ramping up. Uh, he went five innings against Pittsburgh in his last outing. Two hits, five strikeouts, no earned runs. Uh, Michaelis won't give you a tremendous amount of strikeouts in general, but he is always pitched with a good ERA and whip. Uh, so uh, take a look at, at him and see if it fits your team. Uh, the guy I really like this week, Kyle Freeland. He's only 26% owned on CBS, perfect for about a 12-teamer, and if he's available in 15, you should pick him up. Uh, he's playing at Texas this week. That's a good start. And then to start the following week, San Francisco and at Philadelphia. Uh, I like Rockies pitchers. Rockies, uh, with, uh, we, we mentioned Senzatella, but along with Freeland and um, with Herman Marquez, they like to have pitchers go deep into games. You don't have that many teams doing that, but the Rockies are one of them. So I like Rockies pitchers if you need the wins help. Obviously, with Rockies, you got to watch the ERA, especially if they're at home. Uh, so I wouldn't, if you're close in your leagues in ERA, I would probably not pick up a Rockies pitcher. But if you ha are either, uh, you know, a safe lead or you won't be able to catch somebody, but wins are tight, you want to pick up the Rockies pitchers. Um, Andrew Heaney, this is for more shallow league. He's available in about a third of CBS leagues. A lot of strikeouts, 140 strikeouts and 120 innings. You can bank those this week. Two start at LA Angels, uh, his uh, former team, and versus Baltimore. Um, that, that, that's a good start there. And then next week at New York Mets. That sounds uh, pretty good. Uh, Alec Mills, uh, this week, one start versus Pittsburgh. He had a crappy seven-earn run game against Kansas City. But before that, in 11 starts, he had only given up two runs or less. Uh, not a lot of quality starts because he doesn't go all that long. Most of the uh, starts five innings or less. But, um, you know, hey, you never know. Uh, it's against Pittsburgh. Don't count on a win. I mean, he's only won three games in 11 starts. But, um, you never know versus Pittsburgh. If you need a filler, I, I think that's a start that won't hurt you. All right. A any other pitchers before we move on? Pretty th pretty thin also here, right? Yes, very thin. Yeah. All right, we got one mailbag question coming here, and uh, I'm going to throw this to Ruvain. Ruvain's the baseball card guy. Uh, as, as you uh, might have heard the news, looks like Topps lost its license with MLB. Um, long-standing relationship now down. Uh, but the question is here, talking about baseball cards and prospects, can one affect the other, and can we learn anything from it? Start with you, Ruvain. I'm not sure. I always thought there was a correlation between how the prospect is doing and the baseball card value or their pick. It's just very hard to know. I mean, this year uh, when Top Series Two came out, uh, the top one of the top cards in that in the in the actual um, set is the Alex Kirilov. So it does show that they know what they're talking about. But I, I'm I always wondered if there was this correlation between the value of a baseball card, a prospect, and the, and how they're actually thought of in the baseball community and that's why i thought this was an excellent question i have no idea what the answer is or if there's any research done on this and i thought james you're the perfect person to answer this yeah so a, a lot of we actually a lot of people subscribe uh to my rankings for collecting baseball cards not for dynasty um because you know it's a, it's a good way of sort of 
getting on top of like which rookie or which prospect card I should really be chasing, you know, like obviously um, like when, when the Jason Dominguez, like Bowman card dropped a couple years ago, like that was just like a, a huge deal because of all the hype surrounding him. Um, but like you're seeing, like I get like card collectors are hitting me up all the time. Just like, you know, what, what do you think about like this guy versus this guy? Like, does this guy have a chance to be a top 10 prospect? Like that type of thing. So, um, I'm very familiar with the, the card industry, um, when it comes to just, you know, the, the prospect game is sort of like a stock market, you know, like which guys are, are really ascending, uh, into that top 10, top five territory. Like that's, I hear a lot about that from, from card collectors, but, uh, that, that question on the whole is, is certainly, you know, pretty challenging and, and complicated. And my son, my son actually collects baseball cards and he knows all the prospects because he's watching these breaks. He's watching these packs being open and he's seeing these prospects. So he's getting to know the next generation of baseball players through the baseball cards like we like I did when I was younger. I remember my Brian Taylor card. I think everyone had Brian Taylor, if you, if you know what I'm talking about, the pro pitching prospect for the Yankees. And everyone thought he was going to be the next big thing. And that was a big bust and everything like that. Um, but when it comes to the baseball cards, you can learn the players. You can read the stats on the back. I mean, it's it's a big, big, there's a big, big market out there right now. And it's just very enjoyable to be able to have a card and have the prospect do well. And another thing is, I think when it comes to baseball cards, it's just like what the teams are doing. They try to get as many prospects as possible and hope one of them pans out. You never know who's going to hit. You never know who's going to bomb. And if you have a whole bunch of them, your chances of having a hit is a lot better. Yeah. I used to collect cards as a kid. I haven't really been into it uh, ever since. My father was a collector. Uh, you know, my father back in the 50s collected uh, quite a few cards, and one year he went to a sleepaway camp, and uh, my grandmother, his mother, was cleaning up, and uh, she threw a lot of it out. And my father like, no, why did you throw it out? Those cards would have been worth quite a bit. He did manage to save some. Uh, I believe he has a 57 mantle in very, very good condition. That's worth a couple thousand. Uh, but, uh, yeah, baseball cards it is. All right, uh, Ruvain, injury time. What is the injury update for this late August episode? Okay, we'll start with an actual prospect, Tristan McKenzie. He was put on the aisle with right shoulder fatigue. Um, they don't know how bad he's how bad it is or how long he's going to shut out shut down for. Logan Allen was recalled, and he'll probably take his spot in the rotation for Cleveland. Jack Flaherty was placed again on the aisle with a strained right shoulder. Because his velocity was down in his last outing when they took him out, did not look good, and the chances of him coming back are probably pretty slim. Another guy whose chances of coming back are pretty slim are Dylan is Dylan Bundy. He also went out uh, on the aisle with a right shoulder strain. We don't know how bad it is, but when shoulder injuries hit, it's a long time to be able to build up again. And because the Angels aren't going anywhere, I can't think the I can't see the Angels pushing him too much. Eduardo Escobar is on the aisle with a strained right hamstring. Brewers manager Craig Council said Escobar will miss about two weeks. Luis Urias will see an increase in playing time while he is out. And some updates from some players. We always mention him, unfortunately. Jacob deGrom, he was cleared to start throwing again. He may come back, and they're going to try to build him up. Um, he'll probably end up playing the, the, the single-A St. Louis Cardinals again because he, he just dominated them last time, and they're trolling him on Twitter right now, so, which is really funny. Um, but he can possibly come back mid-September. He may not be a starter at the time because I don't know if he had to build up then, but that's something to watch for. Another Met pitcher, Noah Syndergaard, he's starting his rehab tonight, supposedly, and he will be coming out of the bullpen, so that's something to 
to watch for. Corey Kluber, he's pitching in rehab starts right now, and his target return is actually the first week in September. And another guy I have to mention is Mike Trout. He's participating in, in on-field activities. Um, he's feeling better, according to Joe, uh, Joe Madden, the Angels manager, but he is still not ready for a rehab assignment. It's hard to see getting much out of Mike Trout at this point, which is a very sad thing to say. Well, um, wanted to thank uh, James Anderson for coming on the show. You know, James is the lead uh, prospect writer over at Rotowire. He just dropped uh, his uh, top 400, which uh, must have been really complicated this year as the minors uh, didn't happen last year and people are just getting into it. Um, so uh, check that out over at Rotowire, top 400 that just dropped. James, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, why don't you tell us uh, where we, uh, we can read your stuff, reach you, and all things James Anderson. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the top 400 uh, that just got a big, uh, big update. Um, that that was that was a ton of work. I would strongly recommend checking it out. I mean, like like you alluded to, there's been more kind of big time pop up prospects this year than in most years because it's been so long since we saw a lot of these guys. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I tweet out uh, all my podcasts, all my links and stuff like that from there. Uh, Clay Link and I do a prospect podcast every Wednesday. You can find that if you just search uh, Rotowire Prospect Podcast or just Rotowire Baseball Podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, thanks thanks so much for having me on, guys. Sure. Are you still doing the SiriusXM show? Uh, we That's a kind of six months at a time we do we do baseball from uh january through june and then it goes football july through december so we'll be back uh with that in january right 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 no great stuff and you know as, as you saw this show uh, i i really didn't do any of the talking here um you know uh, we're not big uh, prospect guys. We're not big dynasty players on this show, but uh, a lot of you are. And even if you aren't like us, uh, it's good to know the top guys and good to uh, be aware of uh, the pipeline of baseball. And uh, obviously, James knows his stuff. Uh, so we're very, very honored to have had you on the show. Thanks, thanks again, James. Hey, thanks. This was a lot of fun, guys. Um, thanks, Adam. All right, Ruvain, how about you? Why don't you uh, tell us where we can find you, read you, and all things Ruvain Guy. You can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I tweet out injury updates on a daily basis, who's the next guy up, how long they're going to be out for, whether they're going to be out for the rest of the season, actually, at this point. And you can also read my articles, which are weekly. They come out on Saturday for Rotoballer, discussing all these injuries as well as more. All right, I'm Ariel Cohen, and you can read my work over at Fangraphs, Sportsline, and Rotoballer. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ATCNY, and you can uh, listen to me every week here on Beat the Shift, podcast presented by Fangraphs. All right, we'll be back next week with more as we get set for this stretch run in baseball here. Month left to go. Go win some hardware. Go take down your championships in your league, and uh, we'll help you as much as we can along the way. All right, we'll see you next time, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.